surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. Therefore I will send thee, Moses, unto Pharaoh. That thou mayst bring my people out of Egypt. Who am I, Lord? that you should send me. How can I lead this people out of bondage? What words can I speak that they will heed? I will teach thee what thou wilt say. When thou hast brought forth the people, they shall serve me upon this mountain. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. Now therefore go, and I will be with thee. But if I say to your children that the God of their fathers has sent me, they will ask what is his name, and how shall I answer them? I am that I am. Thou shalt say, I am hath sent me unto you. Is the holy mountain forbidden to men? Yes, and I am afraid for him. Then he is more than man, for look, Look at his face. He has seen God. All right, how many of you guys have seen that movie, the old Ten Commandments movie? All right, cool. I think it's this weekend they play it. I don't know if they still do. I actually ran that. It was on last night. I missed it. Oh, that seven-hour marathon of the Ten Commandments. Um, I actually ran that a few seconds longer than I needed to so that you could see that when someone sees God, they get oily skin and frosted tips. You can kind of see... Like, it's a really big deal. And if you buy into that truth, you'll never look at sync the same, right? Because you can see they had the, the frosted tips, and it gets even closer. And it gets even closer. Timberlake has seen the Lord. No, that's not true. None of that's true. But uh, welcome to Fieldstone, everybody. If we have not met, my name is Justin. I'm the lead pastor here. It's great to have you with us. Um, we're actually getting ready to buy this building this summer, um, but I'm starting to wonder if we maybe need something bigger. This is... Uh, a little bit crazy. Does everybody have a seat that wanted a seat? Good. There's nobody sitting on anyone else, right? Everybody's comfortable? Good. Well, here's what we've got. Uh, uh, if you are new or newer to Fieldstone, we've got a thing called Growth Track 101, and that is your first next step after checking us out. If you're curious about who we are, what we believe, why we do what we do, that's the place to get those answers. And the next one will be Sunday, May 5, and that'll happen after the 11 o'clock service on that day. So keep that in mind if you're checking us out and want to get some of those frequently asked questions taken care of. That's that. But then next week, we've got a couple things. First, we're starting a new series talking about marriage and relationships, which everybody's excited about. And then that, uh, that day also, we're going to have a food truck on site. So uh, it's going to be here uh, most of the morning 
So kind of more of a brunch type vibe where uh, if you come for the first service, you can still stick around and get some food that will apply to you at that time. So I'd love to have you back, uh, have a chance to get to know each other, and, and, uh, and we'll dive in. So uh, today what we're doing is um, I want to tell you a little story because um, I think we all have moments like Moses had where we just wish that some inanimate object would speak to us and tell us exactly what we need to know. Right? We're uncertain. We don't know what we don't know. And whatever needs to happen, whether it's a bush talking or a dog talking or whatever, we need something to tell us exactly what it is that we're looking for. Uh, and and the, the first time I remember feeling that way was going into ninth grade. And there's a, a picture of me in ninth grade with a buddy of mine. Um, There it is. That's me in the glasses. Pretty good-looking eighth-grade boy right there going into ninth grade. He got the starter shirt. That was pretty popular back then. Um, so going into ninth grade, and those of you, I, I see a lot of uh, students, young teenagers here in the crowd, you're kind of in that mode where you're doing okay, but you're starting to wonder, like, what's going on with me? Right? Like the puberty thing's happening, you're going into high school, you were the oldest in your school, now you're the youngest in your school, you're trying to figure out the girlfriend-boyfriend thing and all that stuff, maybe I'm supposed to figure out who I am and what I want to be. That's kind of the mode that I was in. And as I went into that year, I started feeling like, okay, um, I, 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 know I'm a, I know I love Jesus and, and all that stuff, but I just feel like there's more to life than what I'm experiencing. And as a ninth grade boy, naturally, one of the things that I assumed was the problem was I had not yet kissed anyone. And, and so I thought, maybe if I can, just, I can just kiss somebody, that'll fix everything, right? Every, everything will just make sense from there. But here's the problem. Like, who do you kiss? And even bigger than that, how do you kiss? And where do you kiss? Maybe why do you kiss? And, and, and like, which way do you turn your head? Is it right or the left? And what if your nose is smushed together? And what if it's not her first kiss, but it's my first kiss? And then as a part of that, as you're trying to figure all that out, you're also thinking, I got to make sure nobody finds out that I've never kissed anyone because that would be embarrassing. So you're trying to figure out what it is that I'm missing. How do I take care of this dilemma? And how do I make sure nobody else finds out about this? Now, that's a very ninth grade boy version of this tension, this idea of missing something. But I think that we all kind of feel that at different times and maybe even more than we would care to admit. It's a very real feeling. And we saw with Moses there, he was searching and trying to figure it out. And I think that as we go through life, as we go through our everyday routines, I believe there's a spot in all of us that feels and sometimes even knows that there's something missing in our lives. There's some gaps that need to be filled. There, there's some things about our everyday life that just doesn't feel right. There's something missing. And it's that, it's that feeling of, okay, I don't really know what I don't know. I think I'm supposed to know. It seems like everyone around me knows what it is that they're shooting for, but, but I don't really have an idea of what the issue is. And even as we get older, it's like, okay, I know what the American dream is, so why isn't my pursuit and my experience living up to that? Okay, I've got a great family, but how come when I get home from work at the end of the day, it's so hard to get out of the car and go inside? I got into the right school, but why does it feel like there's no long-term value being experienced? I, I got the exact job I wanted, so why is it so hard to wake up and go to work some days? I gave him everything he wanted this weekend, but why do I feel so worthless still? We had a lot of fun last night, but why, is it still, why does she still feel so far away when we fall asleep at night? See, even in the midst of that, we have really good days. We have fun and we make memories, but in the midst of that, why does it seem like we're still waiting for our burning bush moment? We're out of nowhere. We hear, Moses, 
This is what you're supposed to do. Here's what's missing. Here's your best life. Justin, Brian, Mary, Jennifer, here's what's missing. Here's what you're supposed to do. Here's your best life. And as a result of that feeling, we go one of two ways, and sometimes both ways. One, we work hard to cover it up so no one knows that something is missing. We fake the smile. We fake happiness. We only post the good stuff on social media. And on the other side, we work hard to figure out what's missing and fill that gap. So we pour ourselves into our work or into our education thinking, this will unlock everything I've been looking for. Or we dive into a relationship, maybe even dive into a marriage thinking, they'll complete me. They'll take care of this issue. They'll fulfill what I've been needing. Or we dive into our kids. We become the room mom, a t-ball coach. We drive them here and there. We run them all over the place. And we revel in their relationships and their fun and their friendships. Sometimes we dive into home renovations. We take on new projects. We do a career change. We do a city change. Sometimes we do a spouse change, thinking that it will take care of the issue. And deep down, we know something is missing. And we either need to figure it out or make sure nobody knows that something is missing. And so you walked in here today on Easter Sunday. And I don't, I mean, I recognize a lot of you. I'm friends with a lot of you, but there's a lot of new faces out there looking back at me. So I don't know what you walked in here with. Um, but my goal today is if this is the only chance I ever get to yell at you, you walk out of here knowing the answer to this issue, knowing what the solution is. And I think between Moses and his frosted tips and a little bit of Jesus, we can figure it out. Okay, so we're going to go to the book of John. And uh, if you were with us last week, we talked about the fact that the book of John was written with the express purpose of proving that Jesus is the Messiah, proving that he is God. And so we're going to jump into John chapter 8, and in the midst of that, we find Jesus in kind of a tension point between him and the people following him, him and the religious leaders of the day, um, and, and they're asking this question, okay, who is this guy? We know who he's claiming to be, but what proof do you have? Right? How, how do we know? Are, are there witnesses who can verify that you are who you're claiming to be? Why should we believe your own testimony? And Jesus is dropping all kinds of hints. As we lead up to John 8, he said things like, God is my father, and I and the father are one. He says, study the scriptures, because in the scriptures, those are the things that are talking about me. He says, if you truly knew God, you would know me. And he says, I am the bread of life. So he hearkens back to the manna in the wilderness of the Israelites being provided for and, and kind of ties himself in with that. And so they're arguing back and forth and people are arguing with themselves saying, okay, God is his father, but, but we know his father. It's Joseph. Like we, we've known Jesus since he was a little kid. What's the deal with this? And, and this isn't like we've been looking for a prophet, but he's claiming to be the son of God. That's a little bit out there. And so there's this debate going on, and Jesus is getting a little bit frustrated, and it starts to get more intense. And so in John chapter 8, Jesus is basically kind of had it with the back and forth and starts to get more serious and more direct. So in John 8, 42, it says that Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I've come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. Jump down to verse 47. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. And the reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. So he's starting to get a little bit frustrated. He's going to get more direct with them. But they're still being pretty obtuse. And there's two reasons for that. One is they're just dense and they don't get it. The second reason is they want to hear him say it. He's been dancing around it. He's been leaving clues. He's been creeping right up to the point of saying it, but he hasn't said it yet. And they want him to say it because they're trying to prove that he's a liar, prove that he's nuts, 
or prove that he's a blasphemer against the Old Testament scriptures. And so they just want to get it out of him. So Jesus continues on, and he, he starts to go all in on this. He said, uh, in verse 48, here's how they respond. They say, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? That was their default response. Like, we don't understand. You must be possessed. So in verse 49, Jesus says, I am not possessed by a demon, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Very truly I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. And at this they exclaim, now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and, and so did the prophets, and yet you say whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. So who do you think you are? And Jesus replied, if I glorified myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. And jump to verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. And they say, you're not even 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham, and this is where Jesus drops the hammer. Have you seen the movie uh, Finding Nemo? You know the part where he swims out into the deep water and is going to touch the butt, right? <laughs> and his dad swims out to the edge and he's like, don't touch it. Don't li- Listen, don't touch it. And Nemo makes eye contact. We've all had that moment with our parents, right? Some of you parents have had that moment with your kids. Maybe even this morning, you're like, if you say one more word, I think. So that's the moment. And Nemo looks right at him and gives it a smack. That's what's going on here. Jesus is looking at them. They're looking back at Jesus. He's going to say it. We finally got him. He's going to say it. And Jesus is going, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. And so he continues on. Very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. I am. And you saw the video, and if you're not sure about the Old Testament story, that's the name God gives himself. God, who do I tell these boys? Like, what's your name? Who are you? I am that I am. Tell the people that I am has sent you. And Jesus drops I am. And so there was zero question about what he's claiming here. He's saying, not only am I the Messiah, not only am I the one who was supposed to come, not only am I a fulfillment of all the prophecies, I am God. And you know what he was saying, and you know that they knew what he was saying because their first response was to pick up stones and try to kill him because according to their law, if someone claimed to be God, they should be stoned. And so they knew exactly what he was saying, and he knew exactly what he was saying. And so this is a huge moment. And Jesus really is saying more than I am God. What he's doing is providing the answer to every question they had about life. And so for these Pharisees, the questions that they were living with as as the teachers of the day was, who's going to rescue us from those who oppress us? Jesus says, I am. Who's the one we've been looking for? I am. Who's the fulfillment of all the prophecies? I am. Who's the answer to all the issues that started back in the Garden of Eden? I am. Who's going to explain all the things that we don't understand about God? I am. And that's the saddest part of all because everything they wanted, everything they needed, everything their training prepared them for, the answer to every question, the fulfillment of every prophecy, the solution to every need was standing right in front of them. And they missed it. 
They were too busy trying to be right. They were too busy living out their daily routines, too distracted by their religion and their rules, too busy being offended by the truth. And now here comes Easter in the 21st century, and we stumble into church, put on our favorite pair of jeans, and Jesus offers the same answer to us. Why am I here? What am I going to do about my marriage? Are my kids going to be okay? Why does my career seem so frustrating and pointless? How come Friday night seems so fun, but when I wake up, I feel miserable and worthless? How come the more I try to do the right thing, it still doesn't get me where I want to go? How come, how come even though I've seen the same things plague my parents and my grandparents, I can't shake the DNA that's been passed down to me? It seems like the more, there's got to be more than what I'm experiencing. There has to be a better way. And Jesus comes along and gives the same answer that he gave to the Pharisees. I am the way you need to go. I am the truth that presents a solid foundation for your life. I am the life you've been searching for. And he says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And that word full means more than just our English version of full. If you look up that word, it means over and above. It means more than is necessary. It means something more. It means more than all. It means more remarkable. It means a life more excellent. It means a life that's super abundant in quantity and superior in quality. It means a life that's extraordinary and surpassing and uncommon. And what we find out from Jesus and the truth that we need to capture and the answer to our questions is that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything God ever promised. And he's the source of everything God now offers us which just happens to be the exact thing that we've been missing in our lives. And that's why with, with uh, our mission here is to transform family trees with the gospel. In that last part, the gospel is the key part because next week, yeah, we're going to start a series on marriage and we're going to give you some practical wisdom from scripture. And we, in the fall, we had a series on financial stewardship and there's other series that we do that have to do with the very practical things in life, things that we struggle with on a daily basis. But without Jesus, without the gospel, it doesn't matter if you get your marriage figured out, you can get your finances figured out, you can get your career figured out, but none of that matters if Jesus isn't at the center of it because he's the one that is the foundation and the source of everything God wants to give us. It starts and ends with him. You can have a better life. You can have it better, but not because someone left you a great trust fund. Not because you went to college and bettered yourself. You can have it better because Jesus changed everything. Your weaknesses, your past, your family history, maybe your family present, your misplaced priorities, your lack of purpose, your lack of direction, your fear of the future, the sin and the guilt that you carry around in your life. And more importantly, he can change your eternity. So he can change life now and he can change the life to come. And it's exactly what we've been missing. It's exactly what you've been looking for. He's the fulfillment of everything God promised. He's the source of everything that God now offers us. And so our response, well, we can go a couple chapters prior into John chapter 6. Jesus makes it very simple. In the midst of all of the teachings, in the midst of all of the Old Testament scriptures that they knew, in the midst of everything that we can read in the Bible, he makes it very simple. In John 6, 28, it says that they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? What do you want from us? What do you want us to do? 
And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And so when Jesus makes this claim, I am, our response becomes, I believe you. I believe you. I believe that you are God. I believe that you're the only source of truth. I believe you're the only way to heaven. I believe that you're the only hope for forgiveness. I believe you died on Friday so my sins could be forgiven. And I believe that you rose again on Sunday so I could have new life. I believe you and I believe in you. I believe you. And we follow that up by saying, not only, will I, not only do I believe you, but I will follow you. The band's going to come and, and sing another couple songs for us and lead us in worship, but I will follow you. And when we say that, we're saying, I will learn more about you, and I'll learn what you say about yourself. I'll learn about your life and your world and your truth. I will live your way because it's the best way. I'll love my wife the way you love me. I'll teach my children about following, following you, and I'll show them what it looks like. I'll set my schedule differently. I'll live my weekends differently. I'll do my career differently. I'll encourage and build up instead of demean and tear down. I'll basically be a representative of your kingdom to the people that you bring into my life. I will be as much like Jesus as I possibly can. And when I screw up, I'll come running back because that's what you want me to do. And he's made it so simple. It's about believing. And so I want to give us an opportunity this morning because as I said, I... Some of you I've never met, this may be the last time I ever get to see you again, but I want to give you an opportunity because there has to be some point in your life when you make the conscious decision to say, yeah, I believe you. I believe that you're God. I believe that Jesus came and died for me and on this Easter rose again so that I could be free, so that I could be forgiven, so that I could have the life that you promised me beyond what I can make for myself. And so if you do me a favor, and let's bow our head and close our eyes and, and we're going to pray and there's nothing magical about this prayer. There's nothing special about the words, but it's a, 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 an attitude of the heart and an opportunity in this moment, if that's you, just to say, God, I've done things my way. I've been looking for a burning bush to talk to me or, or some inanimate object to tell me what I need to know and what I need to do, but God, all the while I've been missing you. God, I believe what you've said believe in Jesus. I believe that he came and died for me. So I repent of my sins. And I ask you to clean me up from that and give me a new life. Give me a new heart. And from this day forward, God, I pray that you would help me to love you and live for you. Amen. God, guys, the Bible says that anyone who makes that declaration, who believes that in their heart is a new creation. They are made new. They get a new heart. And out of that new heart, God can generate a new life. And out of that new life, who knows, it can spread to your family, your parents, your kids, your neighbors, your friends, whoever else who sees that light in you. And that's what Easter is all about. Recognizing that truth. Hearing the claims of Christ and expressing your belief, expressing your commitment expressing your heart to him. If you did that, we'd love to come alongside you. This isn't meant to be a journey done on your own. And so if there are things that you have questions about, if there's uh, ways that we can help you, please let us know. In in your program, you got a little connection card. Uh, Just throw your name on there. Throw it in the box uh, in the back uh, table in the info center. And we're not going to show up at your door, but we are going to pray for you. We might send you an email and say, how can we help? How can we pray for you? 
We want to help you as you take next steps in that relationship with God, because that's so huge. And at this time, we're going to sing, and if you would stand and, and join us, I'm going to sing a couple songs to close, and they really kind of encapsulate this message that we're trying to capture, that, that number one, he is the victor. He's the one who wears the crown, and because he has already overcome, we don't have to carry the crap around with us anymore because he's taken care of it. And in following up to that, creation obeys him. Creation worships him. And so should we, as an expression of love and gratitude and just an expression of amazement at what he has done on our behalf. Let's pray and we'll sing. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for how simple you've made it, God, in a complicated world with complicated issues. You came and you made it so simple for us that, God, if we would just believe, if we would just give ourselves to you, you'll take the reins and you give us something more, something better, something far greater than we could create for ourselves. Father, we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name.